dedicated to George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series and the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Whoa, blacks and greens, blacks and greens. Whoa, blacks and greens, blacks and greens. A widow and a stepchild, blacks and greens. The worst war you ever seen, blacks and greens. Yeah, a widow and a stepchild, blacks and greens. The worst war you ever seen. I'm telling you what to do. And welcome back to House of the Dragon. I know it's been a while. We haven't been here for a while. I promised you podcasts in the off season, and I haven't delivered it's really hard to get my panel together during the off season by the way they're they're kind of strung out all over the world and that that happens but there's no excuse for me not producing some content for you the problem is is that there's already so much content out there it's hard to find a lane where i can offer you something that you're not already getting somewhere else and really this podcast isn't that much of an exception. We're beginning a series today where we will be talking about the differences between the shows and the books. Where I hope to be a little bit unique is that I'm going to be delivering that content in different ways, kind of spoofy kind of ways, Uh, and hopefully you'll find it funny. Uh, If you don't, then, you know, you can always contact me, or you can tell me what kind of content you want. It's pretty easy to do so. Just contact me. Let me know what you like. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, and we're going to be doing it as kind of like a calm app, kind of a meditation app style, which hopefully you will enjoy. But if you don't enjoy it, again, let me know. How do you contact me? You send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. You can use that same spelling to leave comments on our website, mattsaudioblog.com, or you can reach out to me on Mastodon or Hive under that spelling as well. Matt's Audioblog, M-A-T-T-S Audioblog is the way to reach me there. You can also always tweet me, which is at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod the letter b the number four the dragon pod with a little at symbol in front of it and just say hey matt this isn't working for me do something else and i will do my best to try and figure out something else to do uh, if i get enough of you saying so or if you like the way we're doing this please let me know that as well. You can also leave comments on our YouTube videos. Our channel now has a handle name, as all YouTube channels do now. Ours is the same as our Twitter handle. So you go youtube.com slash at, the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod. You can also find the YouTube channel simply by going to YouTube and searching for the word before the Dragon Podcast, and we should pop up in your results that way as well. So today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 1, and the differences between the show and the books. Now, if you're a person who doesn't like book talk at all, this probably isn't going to be the kind of podcast series that you're going to like, but I'm going to do about one episode a month, and we're going to go from there and see how much time we have left before Season 2 returns. Maybe we'll do a rewatch. Maybe we'll do a read of some of the sections of Fire and Blood. Just kind of unsure. Don't know when panelists are going to be dropping in and out as well. Again, uh, everybody's schedule's pretty 
weird or, uh, you know, differentiated from each other. Having interest is kind of hard right now when House of the Dragon television show has been away for months now as I'm just now introducing more content. Once again, I apologize. It's been a crazy winter uh, where I've had lots of other things to cover in addition to House of the Dragon. So given that I'm trying to do fewer podcasts, like, you know, you're like saying, well, Matt, you didn't even do a podcast here for like two years. But given that I'm trying to do fewer podcasts, uh, just one kind of television show at a time is about all that I can cover. And now I'm back because I've got a hole in my schedule and I will continue to produce these for each and every episode for this month and the next 10 months. And if there's anything else that comes up, if you suggest other content, then we'll try to make room for that as well. I've blabbed on and on and on and on and on as I usually do, but I'm going to try and find my calm center. I'm going to meditate on the differences between the show and the books in House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 1. Welcome. safe space, a place where you can quiet your mind and let thoughts of a song of ice and fire travel freely through you. And then let those thoughts float away. We begin with deep breaths to find our retreat. I will join you. Breathe in and out. In and out. As thoughts of House of the Dragon Season 1 Episode 1, flow into the eye of your mind. Observe them, then let them flitter away having absorbed them and finding your peace in the examination of them. Breathe in and out. The light of the truth shines upon us and within us, in and out. And now we can begin. Let us begin with appearances, appearances, appearances. in the tomes by Martin. Members of House Valarian are described as fair-skinned, yet the television show has diversified to include a cast of color specifically for that house. This or any other of the representative castings 
such as the implication that Kristen Cole's lineage may be different from the book to the television show, or even the castings of the actress playing Missaria. These changes must not be an issue for anyone. Anyone. We dispel any conflicting feelings regarding representation as we inhale and exhale. Continuing with appearances, appearances. appearances. observe in your mind's eye Princess Rhaenyra first described in The Princess and the Queen as having typical Targaryen silver hair. That color was changed in Fire and Blood to represent her mother's heritage from the Vale. Do not fear. Do not be confused. The television show has restored Rhaenyra's hair color to silver so as not to confuse those who observe the television medium exclusively. Breathe in and out as we let an issue of Rhaenyra's hair color leave our minds. Observe as this thought passes from you freeing you from its grasp in and out. We turn now to thoughts regarding time. We now observe the age difference between Rhaenyra and Alicent was reduced a great deal in the television show as compared to the tomes. In those books, Rhaenyra Targaryen is nine years younger than Alicent Hightower. Yet in the show, they are essentially the same age. We breathe in as we accept this change helps strengthen the idea of friendship between the two something that is central to creating more dramatic impact in season one. Inhale, taking in that observation to absorb it, and then breathing out to let any conflict regarding that observation go. Observe the time setting of the prologue. In the television show, the prologue shows the Great Council of 101 after conquest. This chronology remains faithful to the tomes. But as for the event itself, observe the following changes. While the old king is present during the final election in the television show, in the tomes, Jaehaerys distanced himself from the election so as to avoid influencing its outcome. Additionally, in the tomes, the final election 
that decided Viserys as the heir was between him and the son of Rhaenys, Laenor, not Rhaenys herself, who had previously been disqualified on account of her sex. Yet, the existence of the title, The Queen Who Never Was, continues to exist in both the tomes and the television show. We also observe that the existence or possibility of Jaehaerys's actual living son, an archmaester at the Citadel named Vagon, is not included in the television narrative at all. And in fact, only two deceased sons of Jaehaerys are mentioned in a very quick passing line. Take these observations in as you breathe and now accept that these types of changes are quite minuscule and not worth the trouble of worry. Accept these changes as you breathe out. Continuing with the subject of time, we observe that the given time frames and time jumps in the television show create a situation where the television character of Grand Maester Melos could be an amalgamation of two Grand Masters from the books. Those two Grand Masters being Brusiter and Melos himself. We breathe in as we understand that strong castings afford a combination of characters and sometimes even mandates as much. We observe this understanding and we let any conflicting thoughts regarding this observation go free as we exhale. Moving on to story points for the episode. Story, story, story. We take in that there is a difference in the location of the tourney grounds between the television show and the tomes. In the books, and somewhat depicted by the first season of Game of Thrones, tourneys are typically held outside the city walls of King's Landing. However, in House of the Dragon, a grand arena of sorts for the purposes of holding tournaments is located well within the city walls. We also note that no tourney for the heir to the throne takes place in the books as is presented by Viserys in the show. We do note that this tourney is heavily influenced by a different tourney described in the tomes, which occurred for King Viserys and his ascension at Maidenpool. We take these observations in as we inhale. We observe the frivolity of worrying about such things and we exhale. Letting these observations and any other concerns regarding them 
flitter away, releasing us from worry. We observe that there is no description of the death of Queen Emma Erin during childbirth in the tomes, but we do acknowledge that the way her death is portrayed in the television show is very similar to the description of the death of Queen Alyssa Valarian, who was Emma's great-grandmother. We breathe in and acknowledge the incredible dramatic impact this addition has made. We accept and we let go as we exhale. As we speak of mother's death, we observe that the mother of Alicent Hightower is never mentioned in the books. On the television show, we observe that it is implied that she is recently deceased and that Alicent's mother was a pious woman following the faith of the seven, which is evidenced to have been passed on to Alicent as the series continues. We breathe in an acknowledgement to the motivational power that this has later on in the season, and we let any conflicting thoughts regarding this choice go as we breathe out. We now continue with observations of the high towers as we acknowledge that the Lord Hightower's given name is actually unknown as of yet in the books. In the television show, he is given the name Hobart. We breathe in and find preference in the Lord of Hightower actually having a name instead of just being referred to as Lord Hightower even though the name Hobart seems somewhat comical. We ask if anyone is making Hobarts today, but then we accept this name and the fact that Lord Hightower has a name, and we let go, exhaling. Thoughts of the high towers continue to pass through our minds as we ponder that Sir Gwain Hightower is simply described in the books as Alicent's, quote, youngest brother. We observe that there is no mention in the tomes as to whether Sir Gwain is older or younger than Alicent herself. It is only implied that he is Otto's youngest son. We find in the television show that Sir Gawain is Otto's eldest son. But we take this into us as we inhale and ponder how frivolous it is to worry about the age of a person who can't even seem to win a single tourney. And we breathe out 
allowing the thought to leave us. Now, let us turn our attention to the small council positions. Small council. It is noted that not all captains of the city watch are given a seat at the small council as new television viewers might feel as implied. There are examples of the city watch commanders holding the posts and the small council, such as in the television show Game of Thrones with the likes of Janos Slint, or in the books such as with Lord Corbray, or even in House of the Dragon, Damon has a seat. But we understand that not all City Watch commanders have been invited to participate in the small council. We acknowledge this and we let go as we exhale. In the tomes, we find that Lord Corlys Velaryon is in fact not Viserys's master of ships as he begins in this television show. We find in the tomes that Lord Corlys has resigned that office after his wife, Princess Rhaenys, was passed over in the succession to the Iron Throne. We acknowledge this as we breathe in and then exhale as we understand the concentration of timelines for the sake of drama. Now we begin to look at House Valarian's sigil and other sigils or heraldry within House of the Dragon. Sigils and heraldry. To begin, we breathe in and observe that in the tomes, the coat of arms of House Valarian depicts a real seahorse rather than the heraldic one. The idea of depicting the mythological seahorse in the television show, which consists of a half horse, half fish type creature, came from Jim Clay and was designed by Alicia Martin. We observe that Ryan Condal gave much consideration for both the book version and Clay and Martin's versions before making the decision. We pause to consider that this choice was made deliberately and not mistakenly, and we let any troublesome thoughts regarding this pass from us as we exhale. And as we inhale, we observe that the Targaryen sigil depicts a two-legged and three-headed red dragon on a black field in the tones. The show changed that to a four-legged dragon in step with the ending of its television predecessor, Game of Thrones, as its series began to close. We hear the words of showrunner Ryan Tondal 
who tells us that the banner will go through changes throughout the evolution of this story that we now witness. We accept this as someone noting it possibly having too much time on their hands to explore such frivolous issues, and we let any conflicting thoughts on the number of legs a dragon may or may not have. We let these thoughts go as we exhale. We also observe that the show created a personal arms for Prince Daemon Targaryen by mixing the gold of the city watch and the traditional Targaryen sigil. In the tomes, there are no arms described for him. We take that in as we breathe in and we observe the license afforded by the lack of description. And we set these observances free as we find peace as we breathe out. And as our last set of observations, we turn to mythology and history. Mythology and history. We begin by acknowledging that the heart tree of the Red Keep's Godswood is an oak tree in the tomes. Yet, in the show, it exists as a werewood tree. For many, this may be a source of great conflict within themselves. Given the history of the Andals, this occurrence of a werewood tree may seem unlikely. Yet, we breathe in and embrace the concept of trust. Trust that either the appearance or perhaps even the demise of this tree in the godswood shall play a role in this television story, perhaps prominently. And we take that conflict that is within us regarding this and we let it go as we exhale. Finally, finally, we observe that Aegon the Conqueror is never described as having prophetic dreams in the published books, nor that this played a role in his decision to conquer Westeros. We inhale and understand that, in interviews, Ryan Condal has revealed that this idea came directly from the author of the source material, George R.R. Martin. We begin to see that the way Martin intends to introduce this notion in the books and its possible effect on the story remains a mystery to us. As we take this in, we acknowledge our feelings that once again a television show has flipped the script on book readers by making them privy to things as yet undiscovered in the tomes, just as later seasons of Game of Thrones may have done. We understand that the time of 12 years of waiting for a book makes it impossible not to have some relevant future information regarding those books imparted to us through the medium of television instead. We exhale as we accept this 
seeing this as perhaps turnabout for those who may have chosen to spoil events from the books to those watching the television shows exclusively in the past. And we accept both the addition of Aegon the Conqueror and the Dreamer to the story we know and love, as well as the reasoning behind the dissemination of that information through the television medium. And with that, this concludes our meditation on House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 1. May the peace you have found within our circle be taken with you as your fandom marches forward into the day. The title for the music for this app is Monumental Journey composed and performed by Jesse Gallagher. Jesse's YouTube channel is linked in the show notes. To contact this podcast, tweet to at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod. Send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail. Dot com, or leave comments on the website mattsaudioblog.com M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com or leave comments on the YouTube channel videos at youtube.com slash at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod. Thank you for listening. In through the nose and out. <laughs>